This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello and listen good to my words. <laughs> Welcome to Go, my favorite sports team. The sports podcast for lovers. <laughs> and those that love, and those that love love and want to love. I'm your love host, Mark Neplier. <laughs> I hate this. And I'm joined by fellow lover, but not my lover, Tyler, the yes. love machine shy. <laughs> The love apocalypse. Yes, the love apocalypse. It's actually, um, we're not even recording this immediately after. We've done another one in between. But people seem to want more and more advice from us about love. Oh, God. They're asking us for love advice? Yeah, they're asking us for love advice. You know, relationship-related questions. I didn't poll any, but if you want, I guess I could go assemble some more right now. I mean, the thing is, I'm... Isn't it funny how a lot of people actually come to me for relationship advice? The longest relationship I've ever had is a year. It's a great relationship, but also my experience is lacking. <laughs> Yet people are like, Tyler, what do you think of this? Dude, why did they ask like that? Tyler, <laughs> what do you think of this? I don't know. You know, people people just, just come to me, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is a sports podcast where we talk about the big games and the big sports and the big scores that the players play when they play the plays and they get the sports scores. And we learn all about it so that the people that don't know sports like myself and don't know the world of sports can appreciate it better and also learn to love again. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a side piece of everything. <laughs> I, my master's degree is really in love and the knowledge therein. No, but it's in sports, in sport administration. Mm -hmm. uh, I know the sports. I've done the sports. I've been good at them sports. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's me. I'm Tyler. All right. Well, I do have some questions from people that are love-related. Um, all right. If you would like to, I'll give you the option. I'll jacuse you in the traditional way we do before, or you'll become the love doctor as the masters of balls and holes, and you will assume a different hat. Can we alternate? <laughs> I mean, we could. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Okay. So this was an interesting question because I thought it had a lot of like extra weight on the back end of it, and it also relates to the modern era of dating. So, Tyler, I'm not going to name names for these. How do I make a profile that women want to click on, and why does it involve catfishing? 
So there's a lot of baggage on this question. There's right? a lot of baggage. There's a lot on of baggage this on this question. Yeah. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't believe in the necessary lying on a profile, but you also need to be able to put your best foot forward and show your best face. Because if you're if you're building a profile and they're going to judge you entirely based on that profile, uh, so you gotta focus on your traits and good things, and you gotta you gotta throw an equip thing that catches them off guard. That's okay. my experience. I'm terrible at the apps, but you know, yeah. Put your best foot forward and put out something that, you know, they might set you apart from the rest. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's just very general advice, but no one really knows what pictures to put forward first. No. But the interesting thing is the catfishing thing. Yeah. Catfishing and dating is when you are literally taking someone else's pictures yes. and putting it on your profile, whether you're trying to trick other guys or girls or whatever, or you're just trying to like make them think that you are more attractive than you are, or just don't look like yourself. There's a version of catfishing where you just take older pictures of you that are like from yeah, when exactly. you're way younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same. Is it like age fishing? Uh, let's just call it under the same thing. In yeah. General. So, but, but this person thinks that it has to have some no. level of that. Yeah. I, I fully disagree because if you're doing that, you're getting interest from the wrong people to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's just like if you play a part instead of being yourself, mm -hmm. then you're entering into a relationship with somebody who doesn't like you for you. And that's not a healthy relationship. You want somebody who's going to be invested and want to know you. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what if they never even get in the door? Well, sometimes you got to break the door down. That's would be the catfishing route. Then you just circle back to yourself and you just counter-directed yourself. Well, listen, sometimes you just got to go out there and figure it out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Tyler says you're on your own. <laughs> listen, right. I'm still trying to figure it out. All you think right, I can tell enough. you what to do? <laughs> no, you're the master of balls in holes. Yeah, but that in and of itself is you really shouldn't be putting your balls in the hole. You got to bash the door down. <laughs> No, okay. All right. So we have an actual jacuzzi here from Craven Cross. Tyler, what exactly do you hate about the universal designated hitter rule in baseball? Do you miss watching a pitcher come to bat and strike out 99% of the time? Do you miss tense moments with runners in scoring positions being ruined by walking a batter to get the weak pitcher who can't hit? I don't know about you, but I would rather be watching batters who can bat. Also, there are more rule changes in baseball coming for this upcoming season, and you haven't mentioned them. The World Series came and went, and no mention of it was found on the podcast. Also, you mispronounced one of the biggest stars' names in an episode, calling him Fernando Tatus Jr., when it's pronounced Tatis. Tatis. Getting the feeling you're not a baseball Tatis. fan like you Tatis. say. Explain yourself. All right. So I'm a baseball fan. I'm a massive baseball fan and statistics. You're correct. A lot of times the pitcher is not the best hitter. Now, that's not always the case. The best part is watching a pitcher face off against another pitcher because they have knowledge of strategy a lot more than most regular batters do. They study it a lot. But the biggest thing about baseball is strategy, right? So if your pitcher is batting, if you have runners in scoring position, you have to weigh the option of, okay, is this pitcher doing well enough or do I sub him out in this moment and put a better batter at the plate? Uh -huh. Secondly, everyone in Major League Baseball and baseball in general should know how to bunt. And small ball is a huge part of baseball that is lost to the ages. It's home run or bust now, and I hate that. It's uh -huh. boring. People love home runs, and I get it. It puts fans in the seats. But the best teams would hit in spurts and hit doubles and singles galore. The big red machine for the Reds was one of those. And in that, the use of a sacrifice bunt is so important 
in baseball for strategy. So having a designated hitter who's just in there who basically doesn't have the ability to field is a waste because you are no longer showcasing all athletes that are playing on the field. You're now just having, oh, we'll just put in this really big guy. And then there's no strategy because then they're in the whole game and you could just switch out the pitcher willy-nilly and not weigh the option of like, in this moment, do I try and keep him in for another round and then sub him out because he's going to be due up next? There's so much more strategy and nuance to baseball, and it's far more interesting when the pitcher is batting because there's just more details to pay attention to. When was the designated hitter rule? It just passed before the last season. And now, with that said, the National League had pitchers hitting before that. Uh The American League always had the designated hitter. When they played against each other, and this differentiated Uh the leagues, Uh whoever was the home stadium was in, they had to play by their rules. Uh So when an American League team was playing in a National League stadium, they would have to have their pitchers bat, and vice versa the other way. And do you think that that history of the designated hitter, even existing in general, made complacency? In terms of pitchers getting better at hitting. And therefore, the reason that they're complaining about not being able to hit is just because pitchers never were expected to be good at hitting, so they never worked at it. Yeah, but then you got the really iconic moments where a pitcher is able to add to their likelihood of a win because they contributed on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And there are plenty of batters that are just batters in general that are not great as well because they're great at fielding. Mm -hmm. So the option of saying, oh, I just don't want a bad hitter to the play is a bullshit, lazy excuse for being like, oh, it's more exciting when it's not. If you actually understand baseball and are a fan of baseball, mm-hmm. you understand the deep importance of strategy in when you move and switch out pitchers with relation to their place in the lineup mm-hmm. and do double switches. Now that's completely gone because there's no pitcher in the lineup, so it's like uh, there's no need for a double switch, mm-hmm. which was such an important part of the game. Sure, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's why I loved baseball was that strategy, and I was a pitcher, and I loved batting and I feel like you take away some of the fun that existed for pitchers to be able to kind of step up to the plate and also showcase the fact that they too can help themselves achieve a statistical win I, I just thought it was so much more interesting when pitchers were batting I mean that that's good enough for me I don't really know what else to say about it so but- what I say to you is you don't know baseball oh. you sucker <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, okay all right that's fair or maybe it's not fair. I would never know the difference. But it is, however, a very well-thought-out answer, and I am convinced uh, that Tyler won that argument. The ghosts are there. Um, I had to I had to ping the Discord, and now they're not even asking uh, relationship-related questions. They're just going like, ooh, message me. <laughs> yeah. That happens you, every time I've done it, too. They're going like, who on? did the ping? It's just panic. Like, me? <laughs> That's what it's like on a date, Mark, when they don't know what they're doing. What what do I do? They're smiling at me. Does that mean they like me or they hate me? Tyler, okay. How do I talk to a girl without embarrassing my entire lineage? Your entire lineage? (laughs) Yes. All right. So here's the thing. They're just another person. Talk to them like you would any other person. Uh Your head is making up stuff. Your fear of rejection, your fear of loss. If they reject you, who cares? Because when you enter into that conversation, when you put yourself out there, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. 
If they reject you, the only thing you lose is hope, which at that point is then false hope. So it really was nothing to begin with. Mm -hmm. So when you go into it, you only have the opportunity to gain something, whether it be a friend, somebody to talk to, or even a romantic partner, potentially. Mm -hmm. If they reject you, you literally are in the exact same place you were before you approached. Mm -hmm. There is nothing lost except pride, and pride is an illusion. And I think I think like the whole fallacy of like you're going up to someone for the express purpose of like relationship and relationship only. This does happen in certain spheres. Like if you're yeah. bar dating, like yeah, sure, whatever, like speed dating, whatever. But yeah, in general social spheres, you're just like it's just other humans. Like you, you're just gonna like if you want to talk to them, you talk to them. Have you ever thought to yourself when you're like, oh, how do I talk? You're like, do you want to talk to them? Yeah. Period. Like, do you do you do you have shared interest? Do you know what they're like interested in? I'll go find out if you don't. Yeah, like, and that's, that's the whole, it. that's how the conversation should go is you go in trying to get to know the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone tried to, uh, like, I asked if you had to ask Tyler some relationship advice, what question would you ask? And then someone responded to that, oh, just be yourself. And it's like, that's not what I asked. <laughs> You're not giving me advice. I'm yeah. trying to help you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Here's an interesting question. If I'm feeling insecure about myself in a relationship and it comes out as defensiveness towards my partner, how can I improve my confidence in the relationship but not turn into an asshole? Improve your confidence in a relationship because of insecurities that you get defensive about about the relationship, but it comes out as like Like insecure in the relationship, like you think they're cheating on you or you don't feel you're good enough. That it's Uh, probably more like that, less than insecure, like suspicions. I think at the end of the day is acknowledging the fact is put yourself in the other person's shoes. All right. Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge because your insecurities and feeling like you're not good enough is invalidating the feelings of why they chose you. So in that sense, imagine if somebody was telling you and you're in a relationship with them and they're like, I'm not good enough for you. I'm all of this. Eventually, if you continue doing that, they're going to start believing it. And that's a problem if you want to stay in that relationship. But also it's invalidating that person's feelings. They chose you for a reason. If you want to know those reasons, they probably can tell you. And it's all about forming it in the correct question. You don't say it and make it about you. You ask them, you know, why did you choose me? Why were you interested? And accept the compliments that they give you because they they made that decision for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so you need to acknowledge their feelings and acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you are good enough because they chose you and that was their decision. Okay, good answer. Next question. How soon do you dump all your personal baggage on anyone? Oh, God. How soon do you un- unload the baggage right on top of them? So, for one, you don't dump it all at once. Um, <laughs> that's just like, oh, by the way, I'm this, 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 this. It's just right. like the other person's just like, uh, uh-huh. there's a level in which I'm a person I like to be upfront about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly like something my mom did with my dad, and it's something that I occasionally do. Is my mom after the first date told my dad about her lupus because she wanted to put everything out there and be like, just so you know, this is a thing that I'm dealing with, and like if you can't handle it, then you know, let bygones be bygones because it's I can't change it. It's just who I am. And my dad was like, the hell, we just had one date, uh-huh. and he's like, that doesn't matter. Because in, in a lot of ways, a lot of different things that have happened in your past or things that you're dealing with don't matter in that moment. When they start to matter is when you start getting into deeper and stuff like that. I like to be upfront and honest about things, but it's like as you continue on in the relationship, you gauge it based on the conversation. You mm-hmm. gauge it based on those moments. When you want to get into the deeper conversations, you get into the deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. If you immediately dive in and get deep, you're going to overwhelm the person. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a level in which it's it's a feeling process. And so when it comes to baggage, everybody has it. And acknowledging the fact that you have it is one big step. 
But the other part is acknowledge the fact that they do too. And you got to have that communication and balance as you continue to get to know each other when it comes out naturally. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just be like, I uh, this happened to me. My kidney's dead. I have, I'm going to, I have cancer. I'm going to die. Uh-huh. Then the other person's like, whoa, we're just like talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It should come up naturally. All yeah. right. One more question. If your ideal partner was a tree, what type of tree would they be and why? You like a sturdy oak. You like a weeping willow. <laughs> like, what, what, what's your tree, man? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I have favorite trees, but I wouldn't think of them as dating partners. I like the way a weeping willow like kind of spreads out and it's kind of the way it is. But like, if you think about it, one of the most strong independent trees. Mm, um, strong independent tree. Huh? Oh, that already categorizes you. You like a strong independent tree. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, it's one, you know, that's unique it's resilient it's strong it lasts and oak is a big a big one of those maples dogwoods those types of trees the ones that are sturdy the ones that you know can withstand stuff but at the same time have their own capabilities of standing on their own and not having anything waver them that they don't necessarily need you but want you there. This is you are so psychoanalyzing. <laughs> you're you're exposing yourself. Everyone is deducing so many conclusions <laughs> out of this. They don't need you. They are strong, big. But they want me there. They want you there. I don't want to feel needed. I want uh, to be wanted. You don't need me, but you want me to be there with you because you can't imagine your life without. Well, that's not a tree. <laughs> Trees yeah, don't a, want well, yeah. there. What are you talking about? Yeah, psychoanalyze me, but Mark said it. Big strong oak. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> yes, you did. You said big strong oak. You said big strong oak. That led me to think oak. What about a weeping willow? You know, to be honest, I'd say a maple tree because they got to be sweet inside. <laughs> 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 Hey, you asked oh, a weird God. question. <laughs> Man, there are probably other, like a cactus is sweet inside. You well, know? that's just is that wet. That's not even really a tree. Wait, I got one more that's kind of like a split between it. How do you get your boyfriend to shut up about sports? <laughs> All right, so, so here's how you do it. You get them a friend that they can talk sports to, so then they're not constantly talking sports to you. Ah, uh, okay. Because if they can spill out to somebody else, they'll be less likely to talk There's to There's a whole you. can of worms you just <laughs> open up about. Get him a friend. Because <laughs> like that's ever worked in every any relationship ever. It's like, you know, even if you have a, a best friend and you both have boyfriends and you're like, oh, just stick them in the same room together. That doesn't work. It's just, It'll be just two guys going like, Hey. <laughs> yeah. uh, even if they were could be best friends of the world it won't happen i mean at the end of, get them a friend at the end of the day communicate with him the thing is you shouldn't have a problem with that because he's sharing something he's interested in and passionate about with you which is meaningful to him uh-huh and so you should like that because he wants to share stuff with you he wants to talk with no you. that's not necessarily true that's you yeah you can't Expect someone to force themselves to like something that they could never like. Even this podcast, whose mission it is to open up sports to other people, like, you can still not like it. But what our mission here is to not come from a place of ignorance. Because I admire anything that Amy is passionate about. Yeah. I admire that. Even if I don't understand it, I would never outright dismiss it. And I actually enjoy listening to her talk about things that I never could really comprehend. Not that I would never be interested in, but I just haven't had the time Mm -hmm. uh, to understand it. But the more I hear about it, the more I have a greater appreciation for what it is. So when it comes to this 
passion. Sports has this divisive thing where some people that don't like sports, which is the whole purpose of this podcast, that they just have an automatic reaction to anonymity towards it. Yeah. No, no, not an animosity. Animosity, yeah. And so I would, I would posit that why not, instead of understanding that, you know, they love talking about this, just like appreciate that for what it is. I just like hearing the sound of Amy's voice. Mm. Like, I, I don't care what she's, well, I care what she's saying. I don't want to come <laughs> out like that. <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't care what she wants to talk about. I want to listen to it because I, yeah. I do, I want to learn basically anything about them. So I would, I would like put in that perspective. Not everyone's the same. If they're saying the exact same thing, then it could be bad. But that's how it can seem with sports because mm -hmm. they don't understand the nuanced difference. It may be the same teams fighting each other all over the place and, and whatever. And the scores are the same. But like I've learned over the past year, I'm still enjoying hearing about sports. I don't really understand much more, but I understand a little more. And with that understanding comes appreciation. Yeah. Which brings us to today's topic. Today's topic world records. So if those two guys are forced in the room together and they have to like <laughs> figure something out and there's a Guinness book of world records on the table in front mm -hmm. of them, they're not going like, hey, I bet I can beat you at this record. Yeah. I bet I can beat you at this record. And then I bet I can beat you. And then they're suddenly best friends. Yeah. The, you, you give them an activity or something to, you know, talk about or get into. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what you do. You buy them the Guinness book of world records and challenge them to a record off. Oh, God, I have to read this one message that just came in. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Why are we asking for relationship advice from a guy who's got no game? Slash J, slash J, slash A. It's a joke. It's a joke, Tyler. It's a joke, Tyler. It's a joke. It's a joke. He's crying. No. No, the tears. No, it's fine. They're right. <laughs> Everybody constantly tells me that, like, how do you not have a girlfriend? I can't answer that question. It's just... Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, the 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 jacuzzis are over. They're over. The ghosts. Get rid get of your dating ghosts. Get ghost. out of here, ghosts. Get out of here. This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary. Whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you. They're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them. Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sportsteam. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com Slash sports team. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so the Guinness Book of World Records is attempting a world record a sporting event? Uh, I mean, it's part of every sport has records. Correct. But not every record attempt could necessarily be considered a sport. So before we get into it, uh-huh. Mark, yeah, you've won awards, yeah. streamies. You've even been nominated for an Emmy. Sure. But are you the best in the world at anything? Best in the world at anything. Uh, have you achieved uh, the mountain peak of authority in any category that I would be undisputably better than anyone else? Yes. Which is like a subset of world records, I guess, but uh, I don't know. I don't I, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. All right. I don't know. I don't feel bad about saying that, but I'm like I don't think so. But even in that sense, mm-hmm. how would you know if you were? How would you know if you were? Ah, that is a good question. You compare yourself to your peers. You have a standard of record keeping or scores or whatever you would call it. And then you would have officials to judge that, which are the qualifications for sport that we've talked about a few times now. So the Guinness Book of World Records currently has over 60,000 entries. Nice. If you want to know who made the longest basketball shot, which happens to be 113 feet and six inches by Joshua Walker, made on July 22nd of last year. Damn. Or has the most passes completed in a Super Bowl game. Of course, it's Tom Brady. Yeah! 40, 43 passes completed in 2017. Uh-huh. The Guinness Book of World Records has those answers. Okay, good. So what do you know about the Guinness Book of World Records? I know that it is tied to the beer company, Guinness. Yep. Um, I know that it started because there was a bar argument about who did what and what did what, and they needed to be yada, yada. I don't know how true that is. That's just what I know. I know that they come out with a book, and it's a real page turner. The book actually has been discontinued. I think it might have restarted, but it did. Stop Never happening. mind. It was a piece of crap, and no one liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. And I know that there's a whole bunch of people that try records all the time. There's several YouTubers that have attempted records and made it, and various records get traded out all the time. Um, I don't know. Did you know you have two world records? I. You have two world records. I have two world yes. records. What the? Since when? I didn't have a judge come over to my house. Who, who can verify this? The I dispute Guinness these. The Guinness Book of World Records. I dispute these. On their website. Uh, All right. Okay. So it's the most viewed YouTube channel for horror video games. Oh. Uh. Your second world record uh. is most followed video games personality on Twitter. What? Yes. So what? For the no. most. What? Yep. Yep. Specifically video game. Specifically video games personality. I barely call myself a gamer. <laughs> I know, but that's that those are your two records. That's weird. I I I would never have thought that. How many falls do I have on Twitter? I don't even know. According to this, it's based on uh 25th of August 2017, 7.46 million. I have 13.9 right now. 
Yeah, so it's in, gone up. In 2017, it w- I would have probably been qualified as more of a specific gaming. T- I mean, gaming is the vast majority of my content, but right. I, I doubt the veracity of that to this day. It's still in the Guinness Book of World Records. Their website lists all of their records. You are listed as that. It's very You're, strange because I never submitted any of these. It's weird that I can be in there and not have submitted anything. They, they track other stuff without submission. Okay. Submissions are when you actually have to like have them authenticate an actual event so that you followed the rules of said record. Okay. So your record for the other one, the most viewed video games, like gaming YouTuber is 8.9 billion views. And this was as of the 28th of February, 2018. I don't think that's still, I'm coming in on 20 billion total views on my channel. Yeah. But it's also based on it's horror video games. So they're putting you in these, very unique, specific buckets. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. A bucket that I would never have thought about myself. Yeah. Because I would never think of myself as specifically a horror video game YouTuber, even though that is a lot of what I do. I'm b- making a movie right now. Yeah, you do a lot more than that, which is why when people are like, oh, the gaming YouTuber, I'm like, he does so much more than games. I'm a sportsman! He's a sportsman! <laughs> He's a sports, sports podcast! Yes! <laughs> Part of the number one sports podcast in some subset of whatever the Guinness would qualify. <laughs> so now let's get into act one okay the origin of the guinness world i covered this already skip no skip no i did it you did you briefly mentioned so the guinness world records began with a man named sir hugh beaver (laughs) with a man named sir hugh beaver and an argument hugh h-u-g-h hugh hugh all right so it's hugh Huge beaver. Sir right. Huge Beaver. <laughs> Sir Huge Beaver. And an argument about what was the fastest game bird in uh, Europe uh-huh. at a shooting party in County Wexford, England. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was in the early 1950s, and in 1954, Sir Beaver, who was the managing director of the Guinness Brewery, mm-hmm. remembered this argument and wanted to use it as a marketing promotion. Ah. Uh. So that's Sir Beaver to you. The promotion, <laughs> Sir Beaver. <laughs> the promotion was centered on the idea of settling pub arguments. Sir Beaver enlisted Ross and Norris McWhorter, mm-hmm. twin researchers from the heart of the newspaper printing and publishing industries in London. Okay. Fleet Street to compile a book of facts and figures. Right. The first book was written in 13 and a half weeks with the McWhorter twins working 90 hours a week to craft what would become the first Guinness Book of World Records, published in 1955 and sold 187,000 copies. It was then reprinted four times in that year to keep up with demand to reach that number. Okay. So there's been a new edition of the Guinness Book of World Records every single year since its creation. By 1964, a million books had sold across all the editions, and by 1974, the Guinness Book of World Records set their own record and became the biggest-selling copyrighted book in history, mm-hmm. having sold almost 24 million copies. Ah, oh, wow. Today, there have been over 143 million copies of the books sold, a couple TV shows created, and an official website with a record search launched. Wow. So it started with a plain book design and now has a wide variety of cover styles. Some of these we saw in our high school library, if you want to look at some of oh, these. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's nostalgic. Yeah, I know all about it. Like yeah. the, the foil, uh, shiny, retroflective yep. stuff. Yep. Yeah. Good oh. stuff. I love those. Everyone, whenever it was, it was like a book day, what was it called? Like book rush, rush for the books. <laughs> the- Die for the books. Uh, 
the read the books. No, what is it called? Marathon. The book cram. The book blast. The book. Uh, that, there's a term. The book brilliance. No, no. The uh, book. The book bonanza. What was it called? The book sale. No, it was a certain time in school when you had the book blast. You it was where it was where they sold books. I can't remember what's called either. The reading rush. What was it called? The reading rainbow. What was it called? <laughs> I don't know. What was it? Uh, the book bonanza. Book book blast. What was it? The uh uh no 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 uh what? The book time rush. in school. When books were cool. <laughs> what was it called? What was it called? <laughs> the book buy. The book drive. There it is. Oh, oh my the book god. Drive. Right. God. God, that's oh. so much simpler than what we were thinking. Uh, why didn't they make it alliterate? You know, I don't know. I think book blasters. Uh, the book bonanza. Was a, a book drive. Right. Of course. God. It's, uh, the book uh, bonkers. No, that uh, sounds wrong. No, no. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Ugh, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about the history of the Guinness Book of World Records. Sure we were. Sure All we right. were. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. So now we're into act two. Okay. All right. Attempting a world record a sport. Is sure. it? <laughs> what? You okay with that? Is attempting a world record a sport? Attempting world record. Is it? I don't know, Tyler. Is it? <laughs> well, tell me, Tyler. Is it world <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Breathe. Breathe. Oh, he might actually be on this one. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, all right. <laughs> Jesus. All right, is it is it a sport? What would make it a sport? Well, there's categories. We've defined right. this. So, to determine if attempting a world record is a sport, we first have to look at what goes into an attempt. Okay. The first part is the requirements. Mm -hmm. So, let's say I'm NFL quarterback Tom Brady. Sure, let's say. You've, you've always dreamed of this. I know no, this. No, no. I'm an NFL quarterback. That's not Tom Brady. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> and I want to beat all of Tom Brady's records. All of them. Okay. All right. And create new ones of my own. There are some steps I'll need to take in order to become, I swear, my writing assistant is memeing on me and he's trying to call Tom Brady the goat in these notes. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> In order to become the greatest of all time, surpassing Tom Brady. Man, I just looked up Tom Brady in the Guinness Re website. He has so many. There's a thousand and eight yes. entries. I don't know if that means individual records, but that's a lot of entries. Yeah. he's okay. He has a lot of records. All right. 
So in order for something to possibly beat a world record, it has to meet Guinness criteria. Okay. There are seven criteria, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, okay. for your record would need to meet all seven to be considered. Okay. So when attempting a record, you can either try to break an existing one or suggest a new record. All right. So the first criteria is it has to be measurable. Is it the fastest, longest, heaviest, most, certain amount of time, whatever? Has to be quantifiable. Okay. Two, has to be breakable. Can the record be broken or repeated by someone else? So all of them must be open to being challenged. Three, standardizable, mm. which means they need to be repeatable and fit the exact same criteria. So can the record title be done universally? For example, it cannot be related to something restricted to a region. Uh huh. Verifiable, can the claim be proven? For example, claims such as a man who never drank water can never be verified unless the man spent his whole life from birth under surveillance by a witness. One variable, we can verify the largest painting but would not consider the largest painting by the most people. Uh, wait, say that again, by the most people? Yes, we can verify the largest painting. So they uh -huh. can verify the single thing with that it is the largest painting. Uh -huh. One thing. Uh -huh. But if you say it's largest people painted by the most people. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. You're verifying two things. So only yeah. one thing is variable. Okay, gotcha. gotcha they only gotcha. focus on one thing. Yeah, because you, you, if everyone painted on the earth, there would technically be something. But because there's two indeterminate infinite variables. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah. It has to be one isolatable variable. Correct. It has to be universal. The proposal must be something or about something that is known to the majority of the world. Mm -hmm. It cannot be too specific slash regional. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it can't be like, I cut the most clippings in my house. Okay. All right. Who fucking cares? Right. Um, well, I, I care. I, I mean, I, I care. But, thanks, Mark. Appreciate <laughs> it. I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I got rejected the most time out of all. <laughs> no, don't. Don't bring up my world records, Mark. Don't do it. <laughs> hey, that's perseverance. If you got rejected the most in the world, that's really admirable, <laughs> if anything. All right, and it has to be substantially different from a current record. Uh -huh. So if your record suggestion is similar to something they already have, mm -hmm. like it's most hot dogs eaten in a minute, you can't do most hot dogs eaten in two minutes. It's It has to be the same. Yeah, it has to be the same. Okay, yeah. so it, for record in hot dogs, it's actually three minutes is the standardized records, and it's 12 in three minutes. That seems low compared to like Joey Chestnut. No, or, I, I think that's pretty accurate because a minute goes by a lot faster than you think. But how long do they have in those contests? It's usually a good amount of time. No, th that cannot be right because this says he ate 76 in 10 minutes. 12 in 3, 76 in 10 is way faster. I think that might be out of date. It might be out of date. I, we're, we're, oh, I think I looked up hot dogs instead of hot dog. I bet some of these entries are weird. And one second, hot dog, hot dog. There we go. Yeah, there's way more entries for hot okay. dogs. Okay. okay. All right. So it basically has to fit an approved variation of the same title. Ah, uh, most hot dogs eaten in one minute is six. Okay. Which still seems low because Joey Chestnut did 76 in 10 minutes. This is ridiculous. Maybe, There's no standardization about well, it. Well, I bet you it has to be, you have to start at the very beginning. I, I bet you it's slower than once he's in the meat of the matter where he's really shoving him down. I doubt that. If only thing, it would slow down towards the end because I, you'd be emptiest at first. Your muscles relaxest. It's not going to lubricate your throat with more hot dogs. <laughs> no, it's about the fact that then you have them in your hands and I don't know. I still, I still think this is weird, but whatever. 
We'll move on. So even if your potential world record meets all seven criteria, you still may have your record rejected as there are some other guidelines such as you can't do anything illegal, animals can't be harmed, and people can't be hurt either. Mm -hmm. Weirdly, there also can't be any world records for consuming alcohol or alcohol and drug related stuff, which doesn't make much sense considering the Guinness world record started as the Guinness brewery. Mm-hmm. So why would they not want to have a hold my beer moment? Uh, probably because no anything that could definitely uh, kill someone. Um, which liabilities. You, yeah, yeah. There's probably plenty of liabilities. Yeah. So obviously, if you're going to attempt a world record, you got to train. You got to mm-hmm. prepare. Okay. So you practice and train for a world record attempt depends greatly on the record. Okay. We've focused on sports-related examples so far. Not everything in the world records, as we know, is sports-related. Mm-hmm. Some are just even just for people in general. Some records require no practice or training and are just about being the oldest or tallest or growing the longest fingernails, mm-hmm. or which you kind of have to train and know what you're doing with fingernails to have the longest fingernails. Yeah, that would take some effort, yeah. But, but you it, would also have to be like genetically predisposed to growing fingernails very quickly. Correct. That would, that would have an impact in what you would do with them. Correct. So some of them are like being the oldest, being the tallest, largest, rarest person, animal or thing. So there's a record for the largest ancient stone balls. Okay. There's a record for the tallest moss. Moss? Yes. All right. Smelliest bird. (laughs) That's that's a record. Smelliest bird? And even the oldest male stripper. I'm going for that record, man. I mean, I'm going to get real old and be like, I'm a stripper. (laughs) All right. Okay, man. Smelliest bird. The oldest male stripper began his career at the age of 60 as a way to get in. Now, you're misre- misinterpreting the audience. The audience is dying to know what the smelliest bird is, and I no, will tell true. you the information that you guys want to know. Yeah. Native to the Colombian rainforest, the world's smelliest bird is undoubtedly the Huatzin, Opisomus Hausen, a bizarre-looking bird variously classified with the pheasants, cuckoos, Tracos and even in a taxonomic group entirely of its own, which stinks like cow manure. Even its local name, Pava Hedionda, translates as stinking pheasant. Its noxious odor is believed to derive from a combination of its exclusive diet of green leaves and, for birds, its uniquely bovine digestion system that involves a kind of foregut fermentation. Well, as the king of balls and holes, I think it's important that I don't glance over the largest ancient stone balls, known Fair. locally as Las Bolas Grandes, <laughs> the giant balls. Yeah, of course it is. Course there are more is. than a thousand perfectly spherical granite globes scattered widely over the Dequis Delta of Costa Rica, mm. carved from naturally spherical masses of granite by a still unidentified race of pre-Columbian people. The largest of these spectacular objects measures up to 2.5 meters in diameter and weighs over 16 tons. Wow. You want to hear the stinkiest bird? Listen to that stinker. You can just tell. Kind of sounds like a pig. Reeks. Kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are we sure that's are we sure it's not a like a wild boar with feathers? <laughs> nope. Looks like this. Oh, that's some that's some grunty bird. That's a stanky ass bird Big right stanky. there. All right, I can't tell tell you what the sounds of the giant balls are, but it's probably. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say it was attached to like this little old lady, <laughs> wherever this was. So while you can't train for some records, 
If you're wanting to beat the record for the longest basketball shot or the farthest throw of a rubber chicken, that is a record, (laughs) you'll need to practice. So in February of 2020, former U.S. Marine George Hood broke the record for the longest time in the plank position. And this is classified as male. Okay. Training seven hours a day to achieve this goal, he did 270,000 push-ups, 674,000 sit-ups, and over 2,100 hours of planking over the course of 18 months before the official attempt. 2,100 hours of planking? 2,100 hours of planking? Yes. That's 87 and a half total days of planking over 18 months. Oh, my God. You want to know how long the record is? Nine hours, 30 minutes, and one second. The longest time in an abdominal plank position. Oh. By oh. Daniel Scally in Adelaide, South Australia. Oh. This took place on the 6th of August, 2021. Wow. Oh, my God. This is insane. What? Daniel is affected by CRPS, which is complex regional pain syndrome. Okay. And decided to attempt this record to prove that no matter what condition you have or challenge you face, you can overcome them and achieve your goals. That's that was his reasoning for it. Yeah. That's very inspirational. That's really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but I'm okay. One minute on a plank seems like hell, so nine and a half hours of it, I'm okay. I've done a four-minute plank. Wow. Just Four, a, hold just a, <laughs> just just a, a three-up you. <laughs> I'm going to do a five-minute plank. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now we need to have a plank competition for the channel. <laughs> all right, all right. So it seems like this is very sport-like. There's physical activity in a lot of these. Yeah. Not all of them, but physical activity does come into play. And there's a competitiveness in like, I bet I can do this better than you, more than you. That's kind of like what competition in humanity is all about. Like, I'm better than you at this, and here I can prove it. And that's kind of what sports is. And a is. lot of sports are in the Guinness Book of World Records, like the fastest 100-meter dash, the world records and Olympic records and all of those, because the Olympics tracks that, mm-hmm. also fall into this. So a lot of sports fall into this. Yeah. So going back to the scenario of an NFL quarterback wanting to break Tom Brady's records, mm-hmm. let's say the record I want to beat meets all the criteria. Mm-hmm. While you think that submitting a world record would be as easy as filming, live streaming with spectators present, it's actually far more complicated. Mm-hmm. For a new record attempt, you need to apply twice. The first time to say you are attempting the record mm-hmm. and then to submit your record after you've completed it. Okay. All right. So if your application for the attempt is accepted, then you'll receive guidelines Mm -hmm. this could take up to 12 weeks to find out if you've been accepted there's a 32 page guide just for how to collect the evidence of the record Mm -hmm. basically a book okay and if you're not careful you could be rejected because you forgot a cover letter Mm -hmm. like it's almost like applying with for a job with like a resume yeah this is weird it sounds like some government agency is like you need all these different proof of address and paperwork bullshit yeah you have to have a cover letter and it has to be very specific for the guinness book of world records that's silly Well, probably just because they get so many people submitting that they needed a standardized process. So maybe I get it. They have a template at least. Uh, Oh, that looks very official. I'm not going to describe that to everybody. It looks very boring. (laughs) It's very boring. Very boring. (laughs) But besides the video proof, you Mm. also need timekeepers. Okay. Witnesses. If there's over 50 people attempting a group record, you have to have a steward to watch and keep track of all of the participants. Ah, okay, I see. And all of these people would need to fill out special forms for their individual roles. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to prove that I had the world record for most touchdown passes in one quarter of the NFL game, Mm -hmm. I'd have to deal with a mountain of paperwork first. Okay. 
Gotcha. If I was attempting a record, once I've collected all the evidence, filled out all the paperwork, created my cover letter, I could then submit the record attempt application and it would take a while before it was approved. Mm. Now, with that said, I think a lot of records in the Guinness Book of World Records aren't necessarily this. So particularly with the NFL one, mm -hmm. the NFL has the video. They have all the witnesses there. Mm -hmm. There's enough proof that I think the NFL kept certain organizations keep records well enough that the Guinness Book is like, yes, Mm -hmm. because this is the authority on that particular thing. Okay. So I don't think Tom Brady applied for his records. Sure, yeah. Just like Usain Bolt didn't apply for his record, there's enough record keeping that the Guinness Book is like, hey, we can just use that. And also the the Olympic Committee is not beholden to the Guinness Book of Correct. World Records for who, yeah. <laughs> who keeps better track of the record. <laughs> I think the No, Olymp my beer company knows more than you, yeah, Olympic Mr. Sport. Guinness walks in and is like, hey, you're wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong. We're doing this all over again. Or I guess he would be, what, Irish or Scottish or whatever it is? I can't even remember. English. No, Guinness. Oh, isn't it Irish? I don't know. They probably disavow it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which way, which way it goes about it. <laughs> That's not our beer! Yeah, yeah. But either way, yeah, the Olympics have their own record keeping, and Correct. they don't care whose fingernails are longest. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So after all the training practice, form, filling, all the bullshit, if you're lucky... It'll even end up being published in the next year's edition of the book. Mm. But don't get too comfortable, though. Okay. Because a record can be broken at any time. Mm. And your triumph may be short-lived as a new person will claim your time. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, yeah we're right. coming for we're you. We're coming for you. <laughs> George Hood, the planking record holder we talked about earlier, had uh. his record broken in little over a year after his final world record attempt. Mm -hmm. Though he has held the record in the past and competed for it more than once, he retired from attempts... And now Australian Daniel Scally holds the record. Okay. Because George Hood grabbed it first, and Daniel Scally was the one I read about, the one with the abdominal pain and overcoming. Okay. That's, That's the right. current record. Mm -hmm. So is attempting a record a sport? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. This one seems so clear cut. Yeah, because it's competitive. Uh -huh. You have a definitive winner. Mm -hmm. You have the criteria where it's repeatable because the Guinness sets it up that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say some of them don't qualify, but some do because like growing fingernails, I want to call that sport-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certain levels like you just mm -hmm. happen to be the tallest, stuff like that. Yeah, but in general, there is enough in there. And it's very diverse. Just like sports are very diverse. There's a whole bunch of different things. You know, you have sides of it. But because the overarching thing of it is this competition, the standardized rules, the competitive nature of it, the overtaking other people, the training, the physical ability that falls yeah. into at least some of them, you can't dismiss the physical ones that are just because they're non-physical ones or, or whatever have you. I think like this is this is the clearest indication that it's a sport. And here comes Tyler to tell me how I'm wrong. So no, you're right. Some yes! some of them are. Some of them are. Yes! But you cannot globally oh, state that God. attempting oh, a world record is here sport. Here it is. Here it is. Because. Because there are world records for not all of them having a sporting chance. Because there are records for the rarest animal, inanimate objects. Or records can essentially just be bought by companies for their product. I led you by the hand to the backyard. You told me to look at the rabbits. You told me to look at the rabbits. You made me look like an idiot. No, I agree with you. We we literally had this discussion, but you cannot classify just attempting a world record and competing for a world record as a sport because there are variables in it. Oh. Some are and some oh. aren't. Why do I even try, everybody? Why do I even try? <laughs> most world record for most times fooled into thinking I knew the answer <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> Me. Winner. Yeah, so then... Uh, 
that's not entirely having a sporting chance. Not everybody has a podcast. Not everybody has the ability to do an attempt at. So therefore, <laughs> so now get into the act three, which is what the Guinness book of world records are used for today. So we talked about the process, why some of them can be sport. Some of them aren't, but we haven't touched on why you'd want to break a world record. I'll stop listening. <laughs> yeah, you're doing the mocking you, thing. I was looking say? at why, you. Why, why, why? Okay, why, right. what? Because the Guinness doesn't offer monetary compensation. Okay. They don't cover any of the costs for attempting the record. Okay. The only reward is recognition that you're the best at something and a little paper certificate. So what is the point of obtaining a world record? Bragging rights is obviously a major one. But the most obvious answer is clout. Mm. Being officially the very best at something gives you bragging rights to bring it up at every opportunity. It's also great marketing because attempting to get a book of world records, then you're in the book and all of a sudden more people see it. So more people check out your stuff, yeah. YouTube, things like that. Which is why a lot of YouTubers do it because it, yeah. it's a great little interesting thing. It's also good attention. clickbait. Yeah, absolutely. Even if they don't achieve it, it's just attempting a world record. Mm. Who's not going to watch that? Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So it works as advertising and you, you can get the official world record logo on a product which could boost sales, set it apart from other companies, differentiators. Mm -hmm. You know would be really interesting? What? What if Cloak attempted the Guinness Book of World Records? I don't want to. <laughs> See, well, I'm, they I'm, hold a record not, for the comfiest clothes. No, that's not quantifiable. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not interested in the publicity of a world record. I don't really care. Unless there was something that I was extremely passionate about that maybe I wanted to prove myself. I And, and with a company doing it, it's, it's the same thing. It's just like, are you, it's a marketing scheme. It's like, yep. what is even the point? Eh, I don't yeah. care. But at the end of the day, the world records came about because of ending arguments. Mm. But the biggest thing is it feeds the need for competition, the need mm. to compare, contrast, and express our individuality. Mm. Stephen Garcia, a professor of psychology who studies competition at the University of Michigan, states, people are always trying to find a way to make themselves seem like they're at the top. Mm. There's a need for uniqueness. We want to feel special. That's me paraphrasing, adding that. And I think people cling to that in different ways. They might see themselves as being number one in a particular dimension. Mm -hmm. And they might discount other things. So what are your thoughts on the Guinness Book of World Records? I know it's something cool that we used to read. Uh, it's fun. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Do you want to attempt a world record? No, I just said I didn't No, care. but just for fun. No. Just to be like, you know, maybe we have the longest podcast episode ever. God, <laughs> what kind of hell would that be? What fun is that? It would be torturous. It would be awful. No, who would listen to it? Nobody. You know what? I think we should have the record for coolest friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and that is measurable. <laughs> Completely measurable. Nobody can dissent. Yeah, yeah we're that. so cool. <laughs> Uh, we were the most popular kids ever in school. Oh, God, we're cool. Oh, man, right, guys? All right, I'm ending this before it's an embarrassment. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to be even be here. So. Record for most embarrassment. <laughs> so much egg on your face in multiple yeah, podcasts yeah, in a row. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. All right, well, I think we answered the question. Yeah. Uh, it's not a sport, as dictated by the master of ball and hole, man. Some record attempts can be considered, but not all. As a blanket statement, uh, attempting a world record is not a sport. Okay, and we are the officiator of what is and is not a sport. Well, I say we, you, apparently, <laughs> not me. <laughs> My master of balls and yeah, holes. His, his, his Although I don't have the, the biggest ancient stone balls in the world. Those belong to Costa Rica. Yeah, but in the future, you might. <laughs>
You Good to have you. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have a world record out there, let us know on the subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash gmfst. Or you can join the Discord and brag about it all day long with the other favorites that are there. Um, and you can find me at Markiplier. You can find Tyler at Apocalypto underscore 12. And here comes his clothing. Clothing. Here comes his clothing. <laughs> oh, no. They're his coming off. His closing thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think attempting a world record is kind of cool in its own sense. As long as your motivation behind it is just to be like, you know what? I kind of want to see if I can do that. Or I want to be able to motivate somebody. Just like that one guy who had the plank. I think it's inspirational. I think it gives us something to aspire to. And it really pushes humanity's advancement in some ways. Sometimes not good ways, but it pushes you to your limits and pushes you to showcase. And for us as humanity to expand and push our boundaries and push our limits. So I think world records are cool. I think Guinness doing it and keeping track of it is really unique and gives you something to look at and be entertained by. But, um, you know, live your life, be you, because that's a record you will forever keep. No, there's probably a better you than you out there somewhere. Someone's trying to be the better you. <laughs> They're trying to steal your identity right now. You gotta be I'm going to be the better Mark. I'm going to change my name. That's what all the doppelgangers, you know, and people are just trying to. If you ever see someone that looks like yourself out there, run. I, I, run or murder them? Well... Hold on here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go. All right, bye. Bye.